Hi, this is Roberta Fallon, and you're on. You're listening to Art Blog Radio. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm here today with Joe Ovalman. Hi, Joe. Hi, Roberta. We're at Joe's studio in his house on uh, in North Philadelphia, and we're sitting in a room that is filled with Joe's drawings, which have a lot, a lot of words in them, and we're going to talk about all those words and. Uh, Joe is an artist who makes books that have words and drawings in them. Uh, he is a multitasking artist, photography, sculpture, and post-it note installations, <laughs> which actually I think I've seen in Miami at the art fairs down there. Um, and one that caught my eye when I was reading up on Joe's work, Dirty Disco Leopard Print Parking Lot Pop-Up Shop in Palm Springs, Florida, and we're going to talk about that a little later. So the works are, they do contain humor, there's openly gay sexuality, and they subvert the standard norms for beauty and propriety. I think it's fair That's to say, nice. don't you think? I agree. Thank you. And much and maybe all of the work is autobiographical, or seems to me to come from a spirit of looking inwards and looking outwards. So including some of the self, imposing it on the world. Yes. Would you say? I would agree with that. Okay, so we're in agreement. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> over to and over. hear it. Wonderful. <laughs> um, I met Joe recently. Joe has a new book out called On Grief. And it's from this year and a words and drawings book. And I want to talk about that first, and then we can wander through other oeuvre that you want to talk about and other things, projects that you're working on. So you showed me, you work with black uh, Sharpie marker, right? Yes, on white Bristol. On white Bristol. And it's very bold lines, linear drawings, and words that are boldly put on there, and it's the story is a narrative. There's a narrative in this book, and I think there's a narrative in all your books, right? You're a storyteller? I am a storyteller, yes. This particular one tells a story that's many, many years in the making. Uh, the first book talks about a, a nine-month relationship. The second book is one weekend. This is the there's a third book that's not published uh, that I took years of events and made it appear as if they all happened in one week. Uh, so this book here is, is many years. Uh, it follows the story of, of, of many years and includes uh, uh, someone else's story. And, that's right. Which it's... I hesitate. I love your introduction. Thank you, Roberta. Aww, Thank you thanks. for having me on the art blog. Oh, thanks for being with us. Um, but uh, that um, they are autobiographical. My work is autobiographical, but it includes the biographies of so many others, and uh, which is such a joy. You know, I'm very lucky for that. Unfortunately. I think you know a lot of people, right? I've met a lot of people. Yeah, and you include them in your work, right? I do. So in On Grief, which is a story of several deaths 
and you processing it and thinking about it and talking about it with a friend, you do incorporate other stories. The one, tell the one about Elsa. Is that her name? Elsa, yes, uh, whose father died uh, while she was on tour. And there's a line in the book, I made all the arrangements, I made all the funeral arrangements from a bus. <laughs> She's and in a band, I guess. She is, okay. yes. And uh, so then um, was on tour, made the arrangements, uh, went in for the weekend for the funeral, and went back to tour. You know, two days off and back to work. And then when a certain celebrity dies a few months later, uh, Elsa loses it. And uh, on the third day of waking up and crying for this celebrity who had died, uh, she's like, what's happening here? And realizes that she's grieving for her father, who she didn't really take the time to grieve for while she was working and, to, and performing. And on the bus, yeah. And on the bus, yeah. So displaced for um, someone else, but she finally did have the epiphany, light went on, and she understood that she wasn't grieving for the celebrity, but she was grieving for her dad. Yes, yeah. which leads us to that great Schultz line, good grief, <laughs> which does appear in the book, because I think there's a level of humor in the book. That there's a level of, I mean, there's humor in that experience, sharing death with people that I love. And having to find some humor. I mean, we're not laughing the whole time, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, yeah. But it's got to be a minute. Yes. To laugh. I guess when you... Yeah, you can't grieve every single day and every moment of every day and be true to yourself uh, unless you have no self and you just get swallowed by the grief, which is a danger, I would guess. But if you come out of the grief and back to yourself, you can let the humor come come through, maybe. Humor is important. Yeah, I don't is. know if I ever get over the grief. I'm always... I, so what? I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if I'm using the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> or I'm not. I am a psychologist and a sociologist and an anthropologist <laughs> and, a, and an artist-ologist. But... Uh, <laughs> But I, um, I think it's very easy to find that grief. I mean, if I'm out of grief and grieving, it's there are those times when you, some there's a reminder and a click, and then I'm paralyzed for a moment right in there. there. Yeah, in the book, you the story you end on is you're talking to your professor Thor, who is <laughs> the friend who weaves through the book. You're talking to him all night long. Uh, all, maybe it goes on for days and days, I don't know. It seems time is irrelevant in a certain level. And then you're walking to your train to catch to go home, and you're so full of voices. You just told Professor Thor that you hear their voices, the people who you've lost and who you loved, and they're with you. And so you're just getting on your train with all your people. I am getting on the train with all my people. That's nice. I'm walking around all the time with all my people. And people are walking around all the time with me. It's lovely. <laughs> We're all walking around with each other. And, and what a celebration. 
It can be. It's not everybody is as cognizant of the other as you seem to be. You're very cognizant of it and respectful of it. And not everybody has that, but I think it's in your work and I think it's in, you know, what we're talking about now and how it came out in this book. So the read what the last read what's on the back cover. The back cover says live hard, love hard. I think those are words to live by, don't you? That's pretty nice. Yeah, they're, it's exciting. Sum it up in four words. <laughs> so what inspired you to make this book? So you've got six or seven books okay, out. So I did, uh, I'm sorry, I read that in the notes and didn't get to it before we started the interview, but that I was first asked to do a book last year as part of a series by Billy Miller and Straight to Hell, uh, editions in New York City. Billy's a longtime fan of my work. He is making these books, Pictures and Words. So they are several different artists that have made those books, Pictures and Words. I have made a Pictures and Words book. I see. I see. And I understand. Subsequently have made these other books. And I'm working with this same book designer, Jan Kwanreg, who's an amazing artist in his own right. And, um, and he's and he and I then have gone on to produce these other books. And uh, there's a woman in Florida who I know from New York. We know each other from New York. And uh, she's on board. And her dad, her uncle, uh, yeah, um, can I name his name? <laughs> Why not? Is he in Jack the uh, underground? Or? <laughs> no, uh, is he protection? in protection? <laughs> Jack Woody did uh, Mapplethorpe's first book, and so and is still producing books, and, I, and I'm blanking on the name of the publishing house. But so I'm hoping uh, that someone picks it up, other than me and Jan. We're right. <laughs> but people are picking it up this weekend. Uh, we went to number four on the Amazon, on the Ama Giant. Sorry, pay your taxes, Amazon. But um, wait, now you're number four selling. In my category, and it's which based, is what? Tell us what your category uh, uh, is. Art books, conceptual arts, I think. So All not right. bad, and it's still Number in the four. top twenty. But I did a campaign this weekend. I think I know that the last time we spoke, we talked about social media and what yes that impact is. And I said it's only good for brand building. So I've been trying to think about why it's not as good for sales. But um, doing a book event, I always have, I have great sales at the events, right? Because I'm touching people. And so, um, touching people, that's the wrong thing to say in the, <laughs> in the Me Too. They told me that about Destination Wedding. They're like, we love Destination, because that book was also made this year. But they're like, this is the wrong climate to produce that book. I was like, all right, <laughs> fine. Um, uh, that's the weekend fling at a destination wedding. Okay. That, um, yes, I could see where Me Too uh, would not be. They're just, they are. Good for that. What happened to flirting? What happened to... <laughs> uh, I think it my, still goes on, frankly. My, um, <laughs> good, I'm glad. Uh, I'm sorry, take me back. So... Where were we? Um, I don't know, but let's go somewhere else right, and perfect. then come back to it. <laughs> we'll circle back. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, let's talk about humor. Did you grow up telling jokes? My grandma told jokes. What? Yeah, all the time, and off-color jokes, which is very funny because when someone told her an off-color joke in the workplace, she was an army nurse, and then she was a nurse for a school nurse and other nurses and, well, and other nurses. She was an arm, a nurse cadet in the Army Corps, and then she was a nurse and a school nurse. But um, she said whenever any of the doctors told her an off-color joke, she said, keep it above the shoulders. <laughs> and she had a problem with the Me Too moment, movement in that she was so strong. She's like, why don't people just say, tell them no? <laughs> and I, that's what I used to do. I used to tell them, keep it above the shoulders. And made sure all the women that worked with her also, um, I think she looked, I know she looked out for So that was cool. So what year is that? That's World War II or something, right? My grandma. Yeah, probably. She died in her 90s. Just recently. Good, strong woman. Yeah. yeah. Is she your mother's mom? Hey, listen, she had her... <laughs> she's from... Uh, she had her moments, mm. but she had her, as we all do. Okay, so you grew up with a grandmother who told jokes. Yes. Anybody else tell jokes? Mm. Did you start telling jokes? My uncle told jokes. My father told jokes. Okay. My, you know, my, my brother told jokes. Yes, we all told jokes. We love, and we don't tell jokes. We find the humor, like we make fun of stuff. My sister and I mm -hmm. used to play a game on the boardwalk where we'd watch people walking down the boardwalk and we'd play... Uh, Mystery Science 3000, we would say what they were thinking in their heads based on their expression or if they were excited or not. You know, we had a grand old time making that stuff up. We told, we tell stories and okay, yes, storytelling. In your family, storytellers, that's great. My husband has a theory that there are no jokes anymore. Everything's been told. There's no new jokes. Huh. Uh, what do you think? Maybe. I don't see, I've been seeing some stand-up here in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Most of it flops. But <laughs> there's such a, a wonderful uh, performance, uh, written word, spoken word, mm -hmm. co comedy stand-up community here that they're, you know, they're doing it in bars, these kids, and it's so great. And they don't all flop, and there's something good in each one. Um, uh, they're all cutting their teeth and they're doing it here and it's so exciting um, at Fergie's Pub at what's the one down at um, Good Good uh, Comedy do you know that one? Good Good I've heard yeah I Chinatown there. yeah there's one in, um, below 9th Street below Italian Village Can, uh, Connie's Rick Rack that's oh, a, yeah. uh, an open mic so it's exciting I mean it's here to find in Philadelphia it's and I find it as often as I can. I'll yeah. check out Good Good. Yeah, do that. We know a couple of artists that perform there. Andrew Jeffrey Wright and Rose Luardo, among others. Fantastic. And they're artists, and they do stand-up. Yeah, I met uh, Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers on separate occasions, but uh, at UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade in Manhattan. And uh, they used to do a free Sunday night show they did a pay Sunday night show, but then if you waited in line at 5.30, you could, uh, they 
start giving away free tickets to the second Sunday night show. And I believe they still mm. do it. I haven't been there in a minute. But uh, and it was so exciting to be able to see comedy for free that close. And we can do it here. I think most of these events are pay what you will or pay what you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's well. always that guest list thing. I just muscled my way. I was on the VIP for the uh, one of the fairs, Freeze Fair on Randall's Island in New York. And uh, just last week, and I had the VIP card for the two o'clock entry. But I also, the night before, I went to the Pedro Madovar opening mm -hmm. and had decided I was going to camp it up. And I took my big backpack and I wore all my camping clothes, my big boots, and then these rainbow eyelashes, these long rainbow colored eyelashes, and blonde wig, and my sign it said Joe Ovalman Camp. And uh, then was rewarded by finding out that the Met Gala the, uh, uh, theme this year was camp. camp, which they did so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted, I did, uh, I have a graduation shot of me in a gown. It's a black parachute. Um, that I had put on and then put that on sunglasses and the cap and gown. And I'm walking down this really beautiful, like, rick-lined, uh, tree-lined venue, and it's flowing out before me. It's like, oh, thank you, Lady Gaga, for making this relevant again, my 10-year-old graduation camp photo. But so, um, I, you can always do the VIP, and this is where I was with that. I'm sorry, I go on these. That's okay. I have to come back, but I did muscle through. I showed up at the island at 1030, uh, so I could be at the, the VIP, VIP. And I got my VIP pass, and they said, you know, this one really isn't good until 2, but the door is discretionary. And I went over, and I batted my <laughs> rainbow-colored eyelashes and twisted my sign back and forth. And the guy was like, come on in. This thing doesn't work until 2, and handed it back to me. Which, how is our time? Because I want to tell you, that leads me to the John Waters. Okay, talk I, about John Waters. Can I tell you about John? Sure. Let, I, let's refresh people's, um, tell the name of it again. Dirty, Depper, Le, dirty Leopard, disco. Dirty Dancing Disco Pop-Up Shop, right? What was that? Dirty Disco Leopard Print Parking Lot Pop-Up Shop. Oh, so great. We put a mattress in a parking spot and covered it with leopard print. And then, and we, uh, my friend Ed, Edwin Ram. Ramaran and uh, who lives there in Palm Springs, uh, but uh, and DJ Dandelion and who came and DJed the event in the parking lot. Who I did, I met that night. It was wonderful. I love. Uh, but uh, covered the mattress in the parking spot with leopard, and then there were leopard print lamps and leopard chairs and leopard clothing that people waiting in line to go into this event um matt farber for logo team founder of logo did a performance series which includes the palm springs cultural center in palm springs california uh, this was in florida right no this was this this is california oh yeah my mistake no worries see i should have read your notes i'm so sorry roberta that's okay <laughs> We're here for the truth, so it's California, everybody, not Palm Springs, Florida. Sorry. So they did this performance series, and I knew, and I was there, and, and I knew John was doing this, and I'd met him a couple times in New York. I met him and hung out with him in Provincetown because I showed with a friend of his, 
at a gallery in Provincetown, um, which is no longer there. But uh, right, so I went there and we did this thing, and people waiting in line to go in. They they put the leopard print clothing on and lounged on the leopard bed with the leopard pillows and took selfie. You know, it was the Selfies. selfie moment. Um, it's a selfie moment, but it was fun too because we laughed. That VIP thing I just went to on the Randall's Island, on the top of the boat, I was there with like four or five other people on the free shuttle. And they all had a lot. Either they were artists or had some connection to the fair, or they had a lot more money than me. And, uh, but all of us, when I took the hair out and waved the sign and asked them to take pictures of me, and then other people took pictures of them taking pictures of me, and all of us started talking to each other. It was a really amazing I'm reminded of, of sort of this power of photography that existed when I carried a camera and not a cell phone camera. That um, was a way to talk to someone. Interesting. And ask them to take their picture. And so you did that? That was part of what you did when you had a camera once upon a time? Yes. Like street photography, you would go around and find interesting people and strike up a conversation and ask to take their picture? Sure, I would do that. I did it in many ways. I did it on the beach in Miami and got strangers to wear my dad, my father's Marine Corps uniform. Uh, I did it in Central Park and did the 17 strangers fellatio uh, piece. Should I say that instead of the, we the, can the accept slanger that. term? Yeah. The slanger term. <laughs> Yeah, look on the Cooper uh, Smith, uh, Connor, Connor, Connor Smith. Smith website Connor if you Smith. want to know more about that piece. It's uh, there. The Rosa Parks 381, which you asked about. Yes, tell us about that. That was Polaroids. That was Polaroids, and it was uh, 381 people who could self-identify as, uh, as well, now I would say black, but at the time I said it was African-American, based on a uh, James Baldwin quote, I'll be black for as long as you tell me you're white which he did on the Dick Cavett show sometime in the 60s. And then at the same time I was reading about Baldwin and watching these interviews, uh, Rosa Parks died. And I learned that the bus strike was more than a year. And in my public education, I felt like it was only two pages that event in my history book or less. Right, one paragraph maybe. Yeah. and. Uh, and, and so, but then to find out, it, and it was upon her death that I found out that the strike no lasted for more than a year. Uh, and it's disputed whether it's 381 days or 379 days, I think, or 381 and 383, depending on which day it actually started and who started it and why, I mean, you know, why is Rosa Parks a face and not the woman who actually he said. But, um, and we'll get right back to that, but I want to talk about Mark Stein and Stonewall Riots and the 50-year anniversary of okay, that. Okay, good. But so 381 was, um, I went out and I found 381 people to do this project with me where I took a Polaroid of them, signed it and gave it to them. They took a Polaroid of me, signed it and gave it to me. In the end, I showed 381 Polaroids of myself, signed by 381 people. It got panned in the in a couple papers, they were like this. People, <laughs> but whatever. Some people liked it. Uh, they showed it again in DC uh, recently. But anyway, um, uh, it was amazing because that when you say, "Do I interact with the public to take photographs?" For sure. Mm -hmm. 
And then many, also up to and including seeing someone on the street and saying, hey, can I take your photo mm -hmm. when I have my camera in my hand? But it sounds like a lot of these um, photography projects that you did had a, um, a concept behind them. The Rosa Parks had a concept and a number. And, you know, the, um, the, one, the Central Park, the fellatio piece had a concept behind it, right? And yes. so it's different than just street, just, I shouldn't call it that, but street photography, where you go out and you shoot people. Um, well, I don't really do much of that. Mm -hmm. I find it intrusive mm -hmm. when someone photographs me without asking. Um, I do... I did uh, walk around uh, with a camera and ask people and talk to them. So, and say, hey, I, you have an amazing look. Can I take your photograph? And often, sometimes I get their number, and then we do a special studio shot. When I was in Chuck Close's studio, I told him uh, I'd start again. I don't know. It's probably the wrong climate, but I, was, but I don't care. Uh, I started taking photographs so I could get naked with people like who I found attractive and wanted or unique or interesting or you know let's hang out come to my studio we'll make food we'll have a drink we'll take photographs we'll get naked it'll be fun this was a few years ago I think I still have an Instagram account that needs regular uh <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, fodder. Ugh. I have to get rid of that stuff. But I don't know how to get rid of that stuff. I don't know how to navigate that. I'm not sure how to be the forefront person in that. In the internet? Uh, just what? my association with the media. Uh -huh. It may be uh, limiting myself to you know, do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. But then aren't I just the dealer and like feeding the sheep their internet my picture that's a whole nother hours long conversation <laughs> about sorry. social media so it, you asked a good question and we don't have an answer uh, going back to Rosa Parks and whether she is or is not the first person to have uh, not sat on the bus I just saw an author Mark Stein at Philadelphia AIDS Drift Giovanni's Room, oldest gay bookstore here, still surviving here in Philadelphia, independent bookstore. Although I don't know if it's independent now that PAT owns it, but I'm not sure. Um, but it's still here, and they do, I'm so thankful for them. I've done a couple of readings there. The last one with Elizabeth Coffey Williams. I was so thankful that uh, she did that with, me, uh, with us. But uh, he talked about Stonewall, and we're marking the 50th anniversary of Stonewall this year. But this history book that he compiled, it's all um, uh, clips from newspapers and magazines. And uh, it's four years prior to Stonewall and four years after. And so there were other people rioting, protesting, uh, maybe not rioting, but certainly protesting, leading up to Stonewall, which gives... It's like when all the artists are doing something and then the, someone has a really great stylist and turns them onto it 
who already had, you know, it's how the celebrity maintains its celebrity, right? It feeds off of the creative zeitgeist. And so, uh, in that same way, mm -hmm. that um, revolts happen because of lots of little things. Uh, changes in thought happen because of lots of many people's efforts. Sure. I mean, Sometimes you don't even notice the change. It just no. sort of evolves because people have been talking and talking and talking and suddenly there's a change. It's, it's nice that work that I'm making now is relevant and it's wonderful that work that I made 30 years ago still feels relevant. That's important. So what are you going to do to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Stonewall? Maybe I'll write a book. Maybe. That sounds like a good thing. Do you do you know Gabe Martinez? He's got a he has an exhibit at the William Way Center. I love Gabe. William Way Center. Yes. They're so fantastic. Yes. It opens this Saturday night, I believe, the tenth or Friday night, I guess it is. Will Friday. all the power gays in Philadelphia be there? Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll thank you. I'll, tr I'll try and check it out. It's an archival show from the William Way Center archives. There are two shows, and then there's another show that uh, Gabe is doing, which is related, I think. Oh, good. Very good. Uh, no, I love that center. I just went on a historical uh, tour. Walking tour? Walking tour. It's my first one. And I'll tell you, I kind of wanted to leave after the first 20 minutes, but I stuck it out, and I'm so thankful that I did. It was a two-hour-long tour. But I learned all about uh, drag queens at the Mummers Parade, a lot of information that I didn't know before, and uh, it was well worth it for that. And I'm sure there were other things I learned. There were some things I already knew about Philadelphia Sketch Club and uh, the first women's mm -hmm. uh, Club, then the plastic club. the plastic club, which opened just right down, two doors down. So Philadelphia, it's amazing to be here. I'm happy to be here, and I'm exploring it and figuring out my place here. So tell us about, you told me before, quickly, because we're running out of time a little bit, about your social justice project that you did before you moved to Philadelphia in another town. Uh, I founded a nonprofit. I'm really proud of it. When I left New York, uh, I went to my hometown and I worked with um, young men and women coming out of prison, uh, which I also did here in Philadelphia with Mural Arts Program. But I did, uh, I created this thing that um, we did uh, conflict resolution with middle school kids. We did programming with that. We did uh, uh, job skills readiness for people coming out of prison and then the local um, job creation nonprofit, like 30 year old nonprofit, uh, is now required. So in my time there doing this, it was really great. I spent a long time doing it, but it's not a huge financial reward. Huge emotional reward, like art. <laughs> huge mm -hmm. emotional reward. Or I guess air that I breathe. Art. But uh, and helping, I guess, is an area that I breathe, but I'm more concerned with art again right now. Um, 
but they have to offer this programming themselves now in order to keep getting their funding. So I'm really proud of that. And, uh, and they're doing it. And they're, they're carrying doing it. on without you. Uh, they're carrying on without me. Agnes Gunn from the Gunn yeah. uh, supports a lot of art. Has made a foundation that is donating all this money to restorative practice and restorative, uh, re, you know, returning citizens. I did not know that. Um, I was just at a the um, a nomination committee. Uh, event where we heard from Philadelphia City people and they said, oh yeah, we're incarcerating less here. Now I, I, I want to go sit in a jail and see that happen, I guess, but uh, I hope we are. Yeah, well, we have a new um, district attorney who is against incarceration for minor offenses. Right. So I think the numbers are going down. Well, then we have to, I mean, there's another, there's a hundred hour conversation, Roberta. Yeah, Let's no. talk about money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Let's talk about money. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk about so many things. Let's talk about art. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the two magazine projects that you're working on. You said you're creating something for the new Toho magazine. Toho is an arts journal here. Uh, Andres Cruciani and uh, Green Street Poetry. Uh, put together this journal and they've included this piece I made, um, I Breathe the Air That You Exhale, Elizabeth. Really great story about me and this new friend both lived in the same house on Frankfurt Ave, uh, but 30 years apart. Mm. Mm. And for me it's 20 years ago, so for her it's 50 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool, and then this other art, um, Aaron Tilford. Aaron Tilford uh, does a magazine called Spunk Arts in LA and he's asked me to put some work in that, so I'm really excited. Great. And Connor Smith uh, in DC yes. is what going to do... That's your gallery. That is my primary gallery. Uh, is going to do an online uh, exhibition as part of a new series of online exhibitions uh, that the gallery has created. Excellent. And when is that going to happen? Uh, <laughs> this year, Sometime soon. This year. So, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we've been speaking with Joe Obelman uh, at his studio in North Philly about art and life. <laughs> we and probably all, the rest. all over the place. Yes, we did. John Waters, we covered a lot of territory. Love we John. didn't mention Barry Hoggard and James Wagner. Oh, Barry Wagner. Uh, Barry Wagner. Barry uh, Hoggard and, and James, James Wagner. Wagner. Shout out to James and Barry. Yeah, my very first collectors. and uh, Friends and of ours, friends, friends of, of, of Libby and Roberta, and, and they collected Libby and Roberta also. So, awesome. love you guys. <laughs> love you. All right, thanks so much. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Morgan, for being our recordist editor. And uh, come back to Art Blog Radio for lots more good art talk. <laughs>